for a clinician, how much of their time do you think is trying to find the information you need versus actually caring for a patient? When you're coordinating care, it means you need to pull together different healthcare providers, health systems, insights from carers, information from different consults and investigations to serve all that information up for a clinician when they need it to deliver quality patient care. In this episode today, I chat with Leanne Anderson from Data Capture Experts. And in this episode, we talk about the importance of capturing the right information up front when looking after a patient, finding the right balance for a vendor when creating custom-built solutions, what the next generation of EMRs might look like, and a lot more too. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. So, hey, Leanne, how are you? I'm really great, Pete. How are you? Thanks for joining me in, I was going to say your hometown. It's kind of closer to where you are, at least here in Melbourne. But for those that don't know you, tell us about Leanne. Well, Leanne began her career as a medical scientist. So I worked in pathology labs for first 13 or 14 years of my working career and mostly through regional Victoria. So lots of small regional and rural hospitals. And sort of once I got to a management stage there, I decided I'd have a go at working in public health. And so I jumped over to Bendigo Health and I was just going to go there for six months to do a project and I stayed for 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> so usually, usually it's a two-week job or a six-week job. Okay, yeah, and it's six months, but 13 years. Wow. Yes. That's a, yeah, yeah. It would have given you a good exposure to healthcare in rural Victoria, no doubt. Absolutely. So a lot of that time was spent working on projects, sorts of service development projects and more operational projects. And then I eventually moved into a role as the um, director of the cancer centre there. So for four years, managed the cancer service. And it was at the time that we were ready to move into our new hospital. So it was sort of grabbing six sort of completely disparate units that worked across Bendigo Health and pulling them in together to become the cancer centre and work together as a team. So that was a big piece of work, um, but lots of fun and really good people to work with. So I did that for four years and then I moved into a clinical transformation role and then COVID hit. So then like everybody, we did lots of COVID stuff. So I actually started up the contact tracing unit for the Loddon Mallee region under the public health umbrella back in 2020 when that second wave was in its crazy stage. So again, then lots more about working with the department after that, because that was sort of, we had to work quite closely with them and with the other regions. Mm -hmm. So it was fun time. And then almost a year ago now, I decided to jump out of public health and go and work with a vendor. So I now work with data capture experts as an account manager, account director type role. And so bringing all of that experience I've had in health and in hospital systems and using lots of systems over all those years as well and bringing that to a software company Mm. to help inform that platform, but also then to work with our customers on the best way to deploy the the program into their health settings and, and how to use it well. Yeah. I mean, that's so cool, making that jump from public health into a software company or technology company in healthcare. How do you make that leap? I mean, that transition, is it something you always wanted to do? It kind of it's not like these, all the best things come out of nowhere. Exactly. And not something I'd ever dreamt I would do. Never thought about it. Would never have thought I'd work in IT in general. And so it was a big leap. But whilst I was in the cancer centre and then doing projects over the years, a lot of them had something to do with the system that we were using. So it was all about the process. The process led to the platform that we had to use and where it 
caused problems or where it helped us. And so sometimes it was a good thing and sometimes it was a really bad thing. Sometimes the system was the barrier. So all that sort of led to me doing a um, the CHIA qualification. So I did the, through the AITH, the, the CHIA certification. So, and that was fascinating. I loved it. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done, mind you. It's really difficult. <laughs> a lot of reading. It yeah. is a lot of reading, <laughs> yeah. but I really loved it. And that, I guess, sparked a bit more of an interest to, to learn more about that space. And so when this opportunity came up, I thought, well, let's give it a go. Yeah. Love it. And so it's with data capture experts, right? Tell us about data capture experts. Yeah, so DCE have been operating out of Melbourne for about 11 years now, and we have a a care coordination platform. So it's a platform that can be used in community health, in mental health, in acute hospitals, sort of right across the board, really, and specialist clinics and those sorts of areas as well. It works quite well in. So it's a system that's been built by someone in technology by learning from clinicians. So he's really spent a lot of time with clinicians and with different clinical groups to learn about health and then applied his technological background Mm -hmm. to that rather than doing it the other way around, I think. There are a lot of technology solutions looking for a problem to solve, which it's a bit of an upside down way to go about it, but it's good to understand what clinicians need and then build for it. Yeah, Mm. exactly. And build as, I guess, as generically as you can so that the reference data that drives things rather than have things so totally hard coded that you can't change them. And so it can be quite nimble and flexible. And when we work with a new client, we can be quite agile in the way that we build their workflows so that actually works for them. So the goal's always got to be make it good, make it easy for the clinicians to provide care. So you got to make sure that you can build your platform in a way that you can actually get the workflows that the clinicians need. And for those that might not be totally across the how the how the plumbing, the technology plumbing works within a hospital setting, like everyone will know about an EMR that exists, but is this an EMR? Is does it work in conjunction with that? Is it something else? Where does it fit within that kind of stack of stuff that that people use within a hospital setting? Yeah, and it's tr- it's hard to describe actually. Yeah. So what um, typically an EMR and the ones that, the EMRs that I've used in my career collect lots of data mm-hmm. and you, you plug lots of information into them, but they're sort of pretty static the way that they work. So what we have built is what we call so we call it care coordination because it's just a bit more than an EMR. Mm-hmm. I, I started to call it the next generation of EMRs because we need to move on past the the static data collection. Mm-hmm. And so it works in a way that you determine the funding and the reporting requirements of a patient at the very beginning. So when a referral comes in, you know then, and the admin staff all know at mm. that point in time, what sort of um, funding model and what reporting is going to be required. And so if you bring the referral in at that point and then work through the care plan and the care plan, you know, might be six appointments with this practitioner and two points with that one and three assessments at different time intervals mm. you know what the plan is and the clinicians know what their plan is because they treat those patients all the time so then if you build the data that is needed to work into the workflow as you go so you start at the referral you do your assessments you do your care plans you schedule all of those care plans but along the way the data that's collected is the data that's needed at the very end for the billing and the reporting so you don't have someone having to go back and count the number of appointments or make sure that the data has been entered into all the fields or go and collect it through the clinical notes that are possibly handwritten somewhere sure. or free texted somewhere. So if you collect those data points all along the way, when you get to the end, not only have you provided the care, but you've also picked up all the information you need to do your billing accurately and all of the reporting, especially in the public sector where the statutory reporting 
workload is massive. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help, yes you, to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or ten minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. I always like to try and understand if not for the solution, then what would that process look like? So I think you've already described some of that there. It's that really at that that endpoint, all that cleaning up and the, the important reporting requirements, billing it, and then the getting paid part that sounds like there could be a lot of leakage or a lot of inaccuracies and getting it up front and then along the way in all the one spot kind of makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and just try to make it easier to do that. So you don't want clinicians to have to go back through their notes to find the bits of information they need. That's not good use of their time at all. But you also don't want to have admin staff having to go back through and trawl through notes to try to work stuff out either because that's when you can get errors. But also it's just a time waste. Mm. And, you know, we're we're all short on time in health, you know, whether, whether you're in the public or the private or not-for-profit sector. You know, there's no resources around to spare. So you need to be efficient. And mm. so the best way to be efficient is to just collect the right data at the right time right the way through. And then it's all there at the end when you need it. Yeah. You don't have to spend time on that. Is that, is that what then... When you talk about digital care coordination, this is what we're, we're talking about here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that the, the digital system should do some of the work for you. Mm. And if, if you tell it that I've got this referral for this patient under this funding model, then it, sh- it then knows which pieces of data to collect along the way and what that should look like. Yeah. So then the reporting will just be automated at the end. Got a good feel for you know what, what it's like on the front line too recently because you were chairing a session at our spring summit recently and that was a good dive into digital care coordination. Talk to us a bit about that session that you chaired and maybe some of the things you took out of it as well. Yes, that was that was fun. I got to chair a session with three fabulous professionals from the Lodden Mallee region. I happen to know each of the three of them already as well. So it was it was nice to be able to do that as a, as a group together. I've worked with a couple of them before. And we talked about the deployment of their community platform across the Lodden Mallee region. So Lodden Mallee have been very, very clever and very strategic in that they've formulated a, a system of architecture across their region. So they could deploy one system to 16 different sites and use it for whatever programs they needed. So because we were deploying it across such a wide variety, we needed to make sure that that same system could work for specialist clinics, for community health, for community nursing, for district nursing, for mental health programs. So it needs to, but it's gotta be the same platform that can manage all of those different funding types, Mm. reporting types, scheduling types, different clinicians. So the work they've done up there is really quite fabulous and, and they're, they're now using this system across a number of sites. But 
really what it's done for them is meant that they can share some of that knowledge. And so they're not all having to learn how to use the system on their own. They're able to leverage from each other. And, mm. you know, they all have connections between all those health services. So they're able to leverage a lot of that knowledge and work together. But also we were able to work very rapidly with them through COVID. So when we, they needed a COVID pathways system to manage all of those COVID patients, we worked with them, you know, two weeks turnaround to start up a new module to deploy it and rolled it out across 16 sites in something like 25 days. Yeah, wow. And then just more recently during the floods in Victoria, we also had a call from them on a Friday evening saying, you know, we've got this problem across the region. All these people are displaced without healthcare, without access to their medications or, or the normal services that mm. they would access. Can you build us a, a module so that we can monitor and manage and assess these people as they're coming into evacuation centres and see what they need and then what they would do is connect them with the local care facilities that were available and, mm. and you know, make that local knowledge was needed. So five days later, we deployed an entirely new module for them to, to do disaster management. And we made it fairly generic so that it could be used for any disaster. So if there's bushfires in the future, they could use the same, mm. the same module again. So again, it's about working with the users and finding out what it is they need and yeah. how they need to work to be able to build something that is really useful to them. If you're a, a tool that does something specific like an appointment booking solution or like it books appointments or a Medicare billing tool, it, like, and, and not to oversimplify some of those tools, but that's what it does. You plug it in and that's what it does. When you're a solution that is, I guess, somewhat flexible and, and is, I guess, in a way tailored towards particular solutions and evolves with clinicians and, and based on feedback, it's good in the sense that it can be flexible, but at the same time, from your perspective, to be able to explain that, but also to then implement, it's difficult. So how do you find that balance between you know, having a solution that is built for purpose while at the same time is then usable and applicable to other health services as well? Yeah, it's a, it's a real balance mm. to get that right. But because our platform's been, the architecture of it overall has been really smart the way that they've sort of worked it out in the very, very beginning. And I'm not technical, so I can't explain that bit. <laughs> it just works, right? It, it works. works. It works like a bit of magic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because, you know. because yeah. exactly, yeah. that's what I think. Yeah. So because of that magic that sits in underneath it all, it actually can be adapted pretty quickly and easily. Mm. And, um, and that's one of the really key features to it. And I think that's what's needed in health because health isn't static. It doesn't stay the same. Yeah. And the only thing we know about it is it's always going to change and those services are always going to have new requirements. So being sort of agile and nimble in the way that you build things so that you can adapt it is really key. But it is a balance between yes. being able to provide, you know, a, a system that works beautifully for community nursing programs mm but also it's worked beautifully for a mental health service yeah. and a nursing program of work or an allied health service or something or other. Mm. So, but again, it's just, it's just in the way that it's built that that's able to do that. Is there a particular area that you really dive into or where it really shines? You know, you mentioned community nursing, you've come off the back of doing COVID or disaster recovery. Is there a particular kind of slot that you really kind of fit in and say, this is, if you're doing this in your health region, you really need to be thinking about getting in touch. Yeah, look, I think if anything in mental health and those community health services mm. is really where, where the, the product shines. Um, we do have instances of it in, um, in acute health settings and can do that as well. But really that anywhere where you've got long-term care is probably where the product is really 
worthwhile because it can help you sort out the requirements of that patient over time and where that's multidisciplinary as well. So where you need lots of different inputs from different clinicians or different services into a patient's care and you don't want to repeat stuff. So, you know, if you've done the, you know, the yeah. functional assessment once, you don't need to do it three times by three different clinicians, which is what happens sure. often otherwise. So you do things once and use it again. So if you've got a patient that's got any kind of long-term care plan, that, you know, that's more than just an, a, you know, transactional one-day appointment, then that's where it's really nice because you can see the patient came in with a certain problem and you work out what the goal is to get them to where they need to be. What do they need? What services are needed? to get to that goal and then you build that as a care plan. And that yeah. care plan could go for a month or it could go for 10 months, but you're able to monitor the entire plan from one screen and from one system. And I remember at the spring summit, we were talking just before we started recording as well, there was a lot of good engagement in the chat. And one of those questions that came up from one of the attendees was how you know, the solution connects him with the rest of the ecosystem as well. So have you got that in mind as well? Because we, you know, we don't want all these silos of, of information being created within health settings, right? That's right. You can have the best system in the world, but if it's only in one health setting, it really isn't useful to the rest of the health service yeah. at all. And, and that's the problem that we've got, you know, in Australia in general. But so, you know, we do as much as we can. Um, and so one of the first things we did would make sure that we can upload our documents to my health record. Mm -hmm. So all our discharge summaries and other documents automatically go to my health record. But the other key piece of it is to make sure that in whatever way you are building your system, you use interoperability standards. So if you build your product in a standards-based fashion, then when there is something to connect to one day, we'll just be able to plug it in yep. <laughs> again bit of technical magic there sure, but you know sure it should it's just, just plug in. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly but it's able to be done and I guess yes. if you don't build yes. it with that capability then you're always going to be behind the eight ball absolutely no that's that's really important and so then future facing moving into 2023 those observant few who are watching the video will realize it's Christmas when they see your earrings <laughs> but the uh looking into the new year coming off the back of you know some of the, the disaster recovery obviously the pandemic as well What's on the horizon for DCE? What's going to be on your radar? Yeah, so we've got a few exciting projects going live in, early in the new year, well, late late in December and then early in the next year. Um, so one of our fertility customers, Virtus Fertility, their system will be going live December, January. So that will be, uh, that will be exciting to watch. Um, we've just picked up a new project. We're starting to work with a hospital in Papua New Guinea. Cool. So also very exciting um, project to be working on. Um, we'll be looking next year to go more into the mental health space. Um, we've got one one large deployment of a mental health system at the moment, another one about to go live. Um, so we'll be looking to for more customers in in that area. We think that's a an area that we can really make a difference in. Um, and otherwise, I think 2023 is going to be about virtual care. Yeah. I think everybody's looking for that virtual care um, solution, and we have. We have this in, in our existing system, we have a great observations module and we are working with um, with the Lod and Mallee, in fact, on what virtual care would look like for their region and, you know, connecting up to wearables and those sorts of things so we can get some automated observations coming into the system. So we're looking forward to that project. I think that will also be a lot of fun. They're good priorities for the future too. So there's going to be a lot on the plate. They're looking forward to hearing about it, of course, with with DCE as, as THT Plus members, looking forward to continue that conversation throughout the community and no doubt at summits and things too. So Leanne, thanks for coming in, having a chat and let's do it again soon. You're very welcome, Pete. It's been great to be here.
Hey, before you go, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you enjoyed this show, write a nice review and give us five stars in your favorite podcast player. At the time of this recording, we've been stuck on 65 reviews on Apple. I'm not sure what that's about, but if this show is part of your regular routine and you've listened this far, it'd mean the world to me if you could take two minutes and write a nice review, give us five stars. It does more than just boost my ego. It also helps us climb the charts and reach more people. Thanks so much. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.